Well, praise the Lord. Uh, some of you may be aware that today we're celebrating uh, Pamela's birthday, which is actually on Tuesday, but happy birthday, Pamela. Um, I'm going to just say a few things. We have a little slide presentation so everyone could see your life. <laughs> your life, but some of your life. Um, we have a, I have a special thing to say, and we also have a plant for you. a beautiful hanging geranium. Yeah. Praise the Lord. And uh, <laughs> all right, so some of the, oh yeah, that, that was Rocco and Anna. So you'll see various pictures of Pamela as I, as I read this. Pamela was born on May the 18th in White Plains, New York. Anyone know where White Plains, New York is? It's downstate New York. She grew up in Harrison, New York. She got married at age 22. And by the grace of God, she's still married to that guy. <laughs> she's a wonderful wife, a mother to three, and a Gigi to nine. That's grandma. Uh, she's a dedicated Christian woman. That was Pamela when we met, actually. That's after, shortly after we got married. Is that Betsy? I think that's Betsy. Anyway, uh, Pamela serves as our church administrator. Uh, she's our acting women's leader and nursery overseer, drama arts overseer. I always refer to Pamela as the glue that holds this fellowship together. Um, she's always there, always willing to help, always encouraging always praying for the church, and always very supportive for me personally in my role as the pastor here. So Pamela, we want to honor you on your birthday. And I want you to stand, if you would, right here. And some of the board members, could you come and gather around her? want to just pray over her. Everyone else, why don't we stand together and pray? Pastor Bill's going to lead out in prayer. So uh, Pastor Bill and Wayne and Bill Unger, why don't you come just gather around Pam and let's just pray over her. Let this that this year would be a wonderful year of service to the Lord. Amen. Yes. Lord, I just thank you, Lord Jesus, for this woman, Lord, you've sent to us, Lord Jesus, to do the work that you want her to do, Lord. I thank you for her, Lord. I just pray, Lord, you be over her, yes, Lord. Lord. Protect her. Continue Hallelujah. to just, just touch her in special ways, Lord. I pray, yes, Lord, 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 against Jesus. any allergies or anything, Lord, that might be hindering her at this moment, Lord. I pray that, Lord. I pray for a physical touch on her. But on this special day, her, on, on this day coming, this birthday, Lord, let it be a special time, Lord. Let her be blessed, Lord Jesus, by you, Lord, and most of all, by you, Lord. We, we send our blessings. But most of all, let her be blessed by you, protected by you, and dis- anointed by you, Lord, and filled with you, Lord. I pray that, Lord, her, for, for a filling of your spirit, a fresh filling, Lord Jesus, and that she will continue to be who you've called her to be, to walk in it, Lord, with strength, because her strength comes from you, Lord. And I just pray that right now over her, Lord Jesus, to use her in a mighty way for this body. And we thank you for her and the blessing she's been for us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with people. A lot of times I'm in the house of the Lord during the week and it's empty in here, but it's good to have some people in here. Can I get an amen right there? What would a church be without people? Wouldn't be much. But uh, praise the Lord, you're here. Uh, we had some new people for the fir- first time in over a year come to the early service. And so little by little, people are trickling back in. It's wonderful. Those on live stream, God bless you. I'm glad that you're, you're faithful in, in, uh, in tuning in. Please hit your share button if you didn't do that yet. That would be great, too. Uh, Juanita Rivera, thank you for a good message on Friday night. 
for the ladies group. I wasn't here, but I heard it was really good. So thank you for that. Praise the Lord. And uh, today uh, we want to go back. Uh, two weeks ago, I started a message uh, entitled, Make the Most Out of What You Have. And last week, Pamela gave the Mother's Day. Thank you for the wonderful Mother's Day message, Pamela. That was a really good message. But we want to go back to the message of two weeks ago. So we'll be in 1 Kings chapter 17. So if you could turn there, that would be great. 1 Kings 17. I'm going to read starting at verse number 8. If you remember two weeks ago, this was the day when I got up here to read the scripture and I had oil on my glasses because we had a baby dedication, right? And I couldn't see. I got up here to, and it was like I was, like, like I was in, a, in a cloud or something. So Pamela came and read the word. You know, those glasses, I, I, I rubbed them so hard. The next day, there was still oil on it. The next day, I was rubbing it so hard, they cracked right in half. Had to throw them away. They're only Walgreens, so it's no big deal. But anyway, that's how... <laughs> but I got the oil off. So just now I can't use them. But anyway. Okay, so 1 Kings uh, 17. We're starting at verse number 8. And we read, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Now him is Elijah the prophet. The word of the Lord came to Elijah the prophet, saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I might drink. Now remember, this is a time of famine and drought in the land. That's why she was gathering sticks, to try to make some type of food out of it. As she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. I, I think, in my way of looking at it, he said, Get me some water, and oh, by the way, while you're at it, get me some bread too, and bring it to me. So she said to him, as the Lord your God lives, and here she's recognizing that this is not a man from her area. This is someone different probably by the way he looked, the way he dressed, the way he spoke. Uh, as the Lord your God, your God lives, I don't have bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go and prepare it for myself and for my son. And then we're going to eat it and then we're going to die. She didn't have a lot of hope. Elijah then said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first, and bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. I think Elijah was testing her to see if she had faith to do it that way. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Dear Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, I'm so aware of the fact that many people across the world don't have access to your word. Don't even have a Bible. Some never heard your word. But Lord, thank you that we have it and it's so readily available to us. Lord God, let this message be a life changer. Let your Holy Spirit uh, breathe life into this message that you put on my heart. Thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, as we often pray, that you would be glorified in the process of the preaching of your word today and your people would be edified and maybe someone that doesn't know you will be convicted. And that the results would be glorious. We thank you and praise you now for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So we're continuing the story of Elijah the prophet and the widow of Zarephath. All she had and all Elijah had was a handful of flour in a bin and a little bit of oil in a jar. Not much. In a time of famine and drought, this wasn't much, but yet it was enough to feed Elijah and herself and her son and her household for many days, it says in verse number 15. Now, when we go to James and look at what he wrote about that episode, that many days was actually three and a half years. So this wasn't a small miracle. This was a huge miracle, although every miracle is huge when you think about it. The widow is nameless. 
She didn't have much materially. She had less in the hope department. Verse number 12, she was ready to eat and die. But she gave all that she had to Elijah and the God of Israel. She gave it to Elijah first, as he requested. And the Lord blessed her, fulfilled her, satisfied her as a result of her obedience. The point of all of that is, for us, what do we have that God wants? So that he could bless others and accomplish his greater work through us in other people's lives. Most of us think we don't have a lot to give. And the truth is, we may not have a lot to give, but I'll, I'll stand here today and guarantee everyone here, everyone on live stream, that whatever you have, even if you think it's a little tiny bit, God will use that for His glory and for His purposes, and you and I will be edified as a result of surrendering it to God and letting God use us the way that He wants to. Many years ago, uh, our daughter Stacy and our son Jeffrey were in a, a ministry called Master's Commission in Phoenix, uh, Arizona. It was from uh, Phoenix First Assembly. Uh, pastor Tommy Barnett uh, was the pastor, I think still is the pastor there. But Tommy Barnett wrote a book many years ago called There's a Miracle in Your House. It was written for pastors. So I got the book and I read it. I'll never forget that book. I, I kind of based my ministry accordingly. But in that book, he said to every pastor, there are people in your church that are gifted and qualified to make your church a thriving, growing congregation for the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter if you're a big church or a little church, it didn't matter. But God has in your, in your, in your church, in your congregation, people that are gifted. You have to help them discover it, find it, use it, cultivate it, grow it, and see how God would use it. I still believe that that's true. And we see that happen many times here at New Life. But in 1 Kings 17, we see that this woman, the widow, had a little flour and a little oil. And in God's hands, that meets more than meets the need. So a little goes a long way with God. Let me remind you of 1 Corinthians 1.27. This is one of my theme scriptures. Maybe yours too. God has chosen the foolish things. That would be me. Of the world to confound the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world. That would be me. To put to shame the things that are mighty. So God calls the foolish things and the weak things. To do wondrous works for his kingdom. The question remains. What do you have to offer God? What do you have to give to other people. That God would use you to bless and encourage somebody else. Now last time, two weeks ago, we alluded to Ephesians chapter 2. I want to go there. We have it on the screen. But in Ephesians chapter 2, this is a great, great scripture. Verses 8, 9, and 10. We see a little progression of thought, how the, how the Lord works in our lives. But he says in verse number 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. I always say, how does someone get saved? You get saved by God's grace and your faith. God's grace is there to accept you and love you, but you have to exercise your faith and belief in Him. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. You can't earn it. You can't do, be good enough for it. It's a gift of God. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. But verse number 10, now this one, if you highlight your Bible, this should be highlighted in my opinion. We are his workmanship. We spent a lot of time on this over the last several years. But his workmanship, the, the Greek word for workmanship, you have to get this, is, is cre a creation, a masterpiece, a composition, or a song or a poem being written by the Lord, or a piece of artwork. So he, we are his wonderful, unique creation, created in Christ Jesus for, guess what? Good works. Good works don't save us, but once we get saved, we're designed to do good works for the kingdom of God. Right? And uh, so, which God prepared beforehand, like before we even knew God, God was preparing us for this, that we should walk in them. So I look at it like this. Salvation, in verses 8 and 9, it opens the door of opportunity and releases the giftings that God has put there long ago. And that door of opportunity is open and the giftings now come out. So I want to ask you, what is your gifting? What is your flower? What is your oil today? 
Those of you at home, what is your gifting? What has God given you that only you have the way that you have it? What, what is it that you have that God could use for His glory and His purposes? Sometimes the giftings are birthed or realized through fire. In other words, sometimes we have them and we don't know that we have them. We have to go through something to realize that we have them. Michael Jordan, you all know Michael Jordan, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, uh, player in the NBA, said this about his success. I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot, and I missed. I failed over and over and over in my life, and that's why I succeed. Because he never gave up, he tried harder, he kept growing, he kept learning, and what do you have that God wants to use? Stephen Curtis Chapman, many of you know Stephen Curtis Chapman, great songwriter, um, conducts concerts all over the world, actually. But in 2008, he and his family went through a terrible tragedy. Um, They had three children, biological children. They adopted three other children from China. One day in 2008, his teenage son was backing out of the driveway, I guess just learning how to drive. And he didn't know, but the little girl, the five-year-old, darted out behind him and he hit her with the car. She was taken to the hospital. Later that day, the the little girl died. And what a serious tragedy for this family. They were a very close family. Stephen Curtis Chapman says at that time, he wanted to quit his career. He wanted to give up everything. He'd just go be alone somewhere as long as he could. He, He was giving up. He was so distraught that this little precious girl that they loved and cared for was was deceased and his poor son. But in time... The Lord spoke to him and told him to continue your music career, your music ministry, because now you have something different to say. A year later, he and his wife opened an orphanage in China called the House of Hope, which ministers to children and families there. And now he and his wife write books, sing songs, compose songs, conduct concerts all over the world, talking about a message of hope in Christ Jesus. Out of his tragedy was birthed a new hope, and a new, a new appreciation for God's grace. I want to ask you, what do you have that God could use for his glory? Bethany Hamilton was a 13-year-old Christian girl. She was a surfer. I believe she was from Hawaii. And she had a dream of becoming a professional surfer. In 2003, as she was in a competition, I believe she was uh, competing for a national thing, but she was attacked by a tiger shark while surfing. And she lost a lot of blood. You may, you may know the story. She was attacked on her left arm, and that left arm had to be amputated. She lost her arm. 13-year-old girl. However, she was a Christian. Through hard work, prayer, faith, two years later she competed again in a national competition, and she won. And this was the backdrop for a movie entitled Unstoppable. You may have heard of it or seen it. Today, 17 years later, she's married, the mother of three children. She and her husband have a Christian ministry that encourages young people to overcome life's obstacles. I want to ask you today, what do you have that God could use to bless somebody? Last time we were in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, I want to just focus on the last part of that. And verse number 10, we are his workmanship, right? We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand. Can we just think about that for a minute? In other words, before we even knew what was going on, God was preparing us for something down the road. Man, I could, I could write a book about that in my own life. Little did I know how God was preparing me for being a minister of the gospel, of all people, me, of being a minister for the gospel. I look back on my life, I say, oh yeah, that happened, all that was preparation for this. It's true. But he says he prepared them beforehand that we should walk in them. And, And this whole thing about walking in God, walking in his love, walking in the spirit is so crucial. I think many of us go wrong by thinking we can accept the Lord 
right? And kind of leave the Lord back there and just live our life walking the way we walk. It doesn't work that way. It's frustrating. It will never fulfill what we're supposed to be doing with our lives if we do it that way. But many people, oh, I'm a Christian, but oh, Jesus, he's back here. I'm doing my own thing now. It doesn't work. But we should walk in, in, in these giftings and this anointing that God has given to us. And not everyone will be a minister or a reverend. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying everyone is a minister in your own right. In your own calling. You're a minister of the gospel. But anyway, as we look at 1 Kings 17, we looked at this two weeks ago. I want to go over it real quickly. So 1 Kings 17, you can just follow the outline. And this outline, if you can't write it down, you could go to the website later and look at it. This is a, this is a really good outline. I think we may do something with this later on, but this is a really important outline. If you want to make the most of what you have, follow this outline. It's almost a guarantee that you'll be successful in doing whatever you want to do with what you have. But the first thing, and we talked about it last time, so I'm going to go quick. The first thing is that you have to, you have to have a walk with God. You can't fulfill your calling without walking with God. And we see it all the time, a Christian but. No, there's no buts about it. If you're a Christian, God's got to be first and foremost. You have to be walking with God. You can't be walking around God or around the cross or around the church. You have to be walking with God. You know, so we talked about Elijah, how we went to the brook to drink the water in a time of drought and famine. The Lord provided that. The, the, the brook water was symbolic of the Holy Spirit. How the Lord provided ravens to bring meat and bread. That's symbolic of the word of God and the, the bread of life. So, so Elijah was walking with God. He was ready to do anything for the kingdom of God. Verses 7 and 8, we have to learn how to walk through problems. The brook dried up. Did Elijah freak out? No, he didn't freak out because verse number 8, then the Lord spoke to him. You know, when one door closes, another door opens. And so it's how you look at it. You know, if you think, oh, my world's falling apart, nothing's going right, and woe is me, well, we may miss what God wants to do. Because is, is, it a, is it a disaster or is it an opportunity for God to do something else? Yes, it is an opportunity for God to do something else. It's also an opportunity for us to express our faith in God to see us through those difficulties. Verses 9 and 10, we need to develop a walk of faith. Zarephath, we're going to talk about it later, but Zarephath was like saying, go to Lodabar. Go to a place uh, where nobody wants to go to. Go to a place, there's Baal worship there. There's evildoers. There's God-haters there. You know, the, the wicked king lives there. There's Queen Jezebel. But go to Zarephath. By, by faith, Elijah said, yes, I'll go to Zarephath. Then verses 10 through 12 we really need to learn how to walk with people. And this may be the most difficult thing for many people. Because you know how we are. I heard a thing on the radio, the other, this preacher, I forget his name. He was preaching up a storm. He was preaching and preaching and preaching. He said, if you want to be in ministry, you have to have an anointing of God because you've got to deal with people. And you'll never deal with people without the anointing of God. I said, "Woo." I turned it on for like a minute, and that's what I heard. Oh, man. But see, if we want to make the most out of what we have, we've got to learn how to work with people and get along with people, touching people's lives. Number five is verses 13 and 14. We've got to to learn and we have to practice walking in confidence. When God said to him in verses 8 and 9, go to Zarephath and a widow will take care of you, by verse 13 and 14, it was in Elijah's soul. Don't fear. Don't fear, woman. God, my God will provide. He was so confident in his God. We need to develop confidence in our spiritual lives. Number six, we have to learn how to walk blessing other people. You know, it would be a great practice to, to ask the Lord every day in our prayer time, Lord, how can I be a blessing to somebody today? But Elijah blessed that. Well, she blessed him with the, with the flour and the oil, but he blessed her with his faith. And uh, he blessed the widow and her household and her son for three and a half years. And then the last one, we need to walk with the idea that our God is a supernatural God and signs and wonders do follow. 
That flour never was used up. The oil never did run dry. And just as a little sidelight, we could get into the flour being the ingredients for the bread. And the bread of life is Jesus. And Jesus never runs out. We could get into the oil being symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will never run dry. So we, we serve a supernatural, miracle-working God. And we need to walk in those things. If we're to develop our giftings and use our giftings, we've got to walk with God. So with all of that, I want to finish the sermon from two weeks ago. <laughs> that if we want to make it, we want to make the most out of what we have, I want to give you a couple of things to think about. First of all, this miracle in, in 1 Kings 17 took place in Zarephath. Zarephath, in my estimation, was a, not a very good place. It was a bad place. But it was a place where there was Baal worship, idol worship. What they would do as a source of income, they would take various metals and melt them down. I think Zarephath means purify based on that. They would, they would take the metals and melt them down and make objects of worship to their foreign gods. So you could say that Elijah went to Zarephath. It's called smelting, by the way. Um, which was a place of purification and purging and refining. And there's really something here that I don't want to miss. If we want to make the most out of what we have, we have to realize there first of all has to be a purging and a cleansing and a purification of our lives. So if you want to make the most of what you have, may I suggest that you go through your Zarephath and don't try to avoid your Zarephath And I know that this is contrary to the American gospel when everything is supposed to be nice and comfortable all the time. I never bought into that. I see it all the time in the Word of God. If someone, if someone has a call, someone has a gift, more often than not, I've never known where it went easy, someone goes through something. And in that process, there's a purification. And when they come out, they're like pure gold, ready to minister, ready to do whatever God wants them to do. But your Zarephath will be your place of challenge. It'll be your place of finding God deeper. It's one thing to find God. You know, most people could find God if they look. Seek and you'll find. But to find God deeper, you got to go through something. Or else you'll never do it. It's just human nature. It's a place of testing, purging. It's a place of suffering. And when you come out of your Zarephath, you will be ready for whatever. Now remember the story. At this point in the story of Elijah, he's brand new to his ministry. You could say this is his proving ground. This is a test for him. In verse number 9, the Lord says, go, go to Zarephath, and there's a woman there who will provide for you. To, to Elijah, this probably made no sense whatsoever. But in verse 10, he arose and he went. He trusted in God to see him through his Zarephath. So our Zarephath will be an uncomfortable place. That's where God teaches, shapes, molds, prunes his people. Here is God's opportunity to prove himself faithful to us, but it's also our opportunity to prove ourselves faithful to him. And you know, God is waiting to, to see that. It's often, I always say it, it's a test. There are so many tests in life. It's a test to see what we're going to do. 1 Peter 1.7 says this, you will, you will be grieved by various trials. That's your Zarephath. That the genuineness of your faith, which is much more precious than gold that perishes, your faith will be tested by fire that it may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Have you found your Zarephath? Or have you tried with all your might to avoid it? Have you learned what you needed to learn in your Zarephath? If not, there'll be another one, and another one, and another one, until you learn until we learn what we're supposed to learn. And even then, there's probably going to be more Zarephaths until we meet the Lord face to face. But we will never know, and we'll never use what we have until we've been through our Zarephath. Elijah didn't know what he had until he went through it. 
And he realized, with God's help, he could do these things. But verse number 9, I mean, think about it. Elijah, go to Zarephath, and a widow will provide for you. I could just imagine Elijah saying, really? I don't think so. But he believed, verses 13 and 14, he did what the Lord asked him to do. It was his proving ground. It was his purging ground. And if you know the life of Elijah, after this, man, he did did crazy things for the Lord. But this was his first one. Jesus said in Matthew 5, Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. You ever think that, you know, sometimes I can't see God? Well, we have to start thinking, why can't we see God? Maybe there's something wrong with our heart. Maybe we have to go through our Zarephath and trust and faith to purge out our heart. Then we could see God. You mean you can see God through a difficult time? (laughs) Absolutely. You may miss God when you're on the mountaintop, but when you go through something, you will see God. David knew about the purging in Psalm 51. He said, purge me with hyssop or purify me with hyssop and I will be clean. Hyssop is the plant. You know, I think we talked about this. It's like taking a plant and, and, and dipping it into the blood of the animal that was killed on the altar and sprinkling it over yourself and over your stuff, over your belongings. Sprinkle me with blood that I may be clean. And so he's saying, you know, now we're saying, okay, Lord God, as I go through this Zarephath, cover me with your blood, purge me with your blood, that I may be cleansed and pure and holy and ready for use. So go to your Zarephath and trust God, even when it makes no sense. Let me give you an example. If you want to know how you're doing with God, how are you doing with God and your money? Because the way we handle money from the biblical point of view in some circles makes absolutely no sense. I told you, when I first learned about tithing, I thought somebody made a mistake. I said, can't be. No, come on. I said, go back and study some more. Come back and tell. No, that was right. Woo. Man, I was far from that. Made no sense. Or our belongings, what we have. What does the Bible say about what we have? It says, give it away. And don't expect anything in return. What does the Bible say about forgiveness? Give it away. Forgive others. And the way you forgive others is the way God's going to forgive you. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to have to go through something to get that one. But when we do it his way, his blessing is on us. So I'm saying, church, go through your Zarephath. Don't avoid it. Go through it in faith and confidence. And God will see you through. And you'll be better for it at the end. Second thing I want you to be aware of here, verses 9 and 10 again. uh, We need to get rid of any prejudices that we might have. I'm not talking uh, about racial things, although that might be part of it. But Elijah and the woman were total opposites. And uh, Elijah is a prophet of Israel. He's a man of God. He's a holy man, consecrated man. He's going to an unclean land to meet an unclean Gentile woman that has a son and no husband. She's broken, she's poor, she's ready to die, she's hopeless, in verse 12. And Elijah could have said, in verses 9 and 10, you want me to go to Zarephath, that's one thing. Now you want me to go there to meet this woman, who's a widow with a, with a child, and she's going to provide for me? I could picture Elijah saying, Lord, I don't think so. It's not my type of place. They're not my type of people. It's not my type of situation. I'm going to be uncomfortable there. She has no husband. She has has a child. She's lost and hopeless. I don't need that in my life. uh, They have foreign gods. They worship Baal, and the prophets of Baal are there. I don't fit in there, Lord. I don't want to go to Zarephath with this woman of of, uh, the, the, the woman of Zarephath. But notice Elijah had no prejudice whatsoever. His faith outweighed any prejudice. And that's really important. Our faith in God should overcome any prejudices that we may have. As in when Jesus said, go to all the nations. He didn't say, go to where you're comfortable. He didn't say, go to the nations that are like the U.S. He didn't say, go to where people like you or people are like you. He didn't say, go to where there's money and means. It's nice and comfortable there. He didn't say, go where there's no trouble. He didn't say, go where people love you and will receive you. He just said to go to all the nations. 
Luke 4, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And that anoint- then later on in the Gospels, he said, All authority has been given to me, and now I'm commissioning you to go. So he's authorizing us to do what he did in Luke 4. Go and preach the Gospel. Preach the good news to the poor. I don't like poor people. Go and heal the brokenhearted. I don't like the drama of the brokenhearted. They drive me crazy. Proclaim liberty to the captive. I don't like those people. Recovery of sight to the blind. I can't stand sick people. Set at liberty the oppressed. Lord, it's too heavy. I don't want to carry that burden. And proclaim the acceptable day of the Lord. See, there's no room for prejudice in Christianity. None whatsoever. I, this is my, my rule of thumb that I go by. I try to go by this. We're all sinners. We're all redeemable. We're all related. And we all have potential. Right? We're all sinners. We're all redeemable. We're all related. And we all have potential. So race, culture, culture, language, age, health, marital status, economic status, do not matter at all. When Jesus said, go into all the nations and and proclaim this gospel, uh, make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and and, and teach them all that I've taught you. He, he, He meant what he said. So when he told Elijah to go there... Elijah had it in his heart. Well, I'm going to do what God said and see what's going to happen. But we need to get rid of any prejudice in our lives if we're going to make good use of what God gave us because someone different than us may need what we have to offer. And what a shame it would be not to give it to someone who's whatever, uh, who's younger or older or sickly or whatever they are, and we don't feel comfortable with that. The blessing will go out the window for them and for us. And so we need to overcome any prejudices that we might have. And I don't want to get into all of that, but in this day and age, in America, we need to get rid of prejudices regarding race and culture and language. It's driving this country crazy. And the church has got to arise. Everyone is the same in God's eyes. Amen. 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 All right, here's here's the last one. So we, we need to, if we want to make the most out of what we have, all right? We have to recognize the fact that God operates in the supernatural, and we need to operate in the supernatural. Verse 16, it says that the flour did not get used up, the oil did not run dry. Reminiscent of John chapter 6, when there were multitudes of people, and Jesus says to the disciples, go feed them, and they're like, well, how are we going to feed all these people? And Andrew says, well, there's a little boy over here that has five barley loaves, and Two little fish, but what's that among so many people? And with that little bit of food, they fed 5,000 people and had 12 baskets left over. And see, the point is, with God, a little bit goes a really long way. And God wants to use whatever we have. We need to remember that we serve a supernatural, miracle-working God. Can I tell you something? Every Sunday morning, when we begin service... I never know what's going to happen. Thank God, I don't know. But every Sunday morning is an absolute opportunity for God to do something. Every Sunday morning, I'm thinking, Lord, what are you going to do today? Who's going to walk through the door? Who's going to, who's going to get saved? Who's going to, get, who's going to re, uh, rededicate their life to you? Who's going to have an encounter with your spirit? Who's going to be called to the mission field or whatever? Every time we gather is an opportunity for God to do something really supernatural. Don't forget, when you got saved, when I got saved, that was a tremendous miracle that happened. Whoever thought that you would get saved? Whoever thought that I would get saved? It's a miracle of God that he saved us. Amen? So, we serve a supernatural, miracle-working God. If you've ever had an answer to prayer, it's a miracle. If you've ever had circumstances change, it's a miracle. If you've ever had some unusual financial provision, that's a miracle. I can talk about that a little bit. And I'm not much to talk about money, especially my personal money. uh, But I basically don't have a lot of money. But I don't care about that. But what I want to say is... For the last year or so, I've been able to save some money. And about six months ago, or maybe four months ago, people started giving me money. 
And I just put it in the bank. I said, well, thank you, but I just put it in the bank. And then we got those stimulus checks. And so I had all this money. We were able to, and we, how many of you know we needed a car? We, we definitely needed a car. I mean, every time I went to New York, I'm holding my breath praying. So we were able to buy a, a 2017 car for us, paid in cash. Can I tell you something? I never do that. Never. But somehow, God gave me the money to buy a, not a new car, but a new car for us. I'm just saying, when we do things God's way, God is a supernatural God. He does things that are supernatural. I told my mom, I said, Mom, we got this car. I said, Mom, I paid cash for this car. She said, how'd you do that? I said, I don't know. God provided for me. I don't know, but it was good. She said, well, you deserve the new car. I said, well, thank you very much. But God is able. So when we have marriages healed, kids being straightened out, how about this? When, when our kids don't go through what we went through, God's protection. Is, you know, this is another thing. Many of us have had to go through fire to get saved. That doesn't mean our kids have to go through fire to get saved. Maybe they do, but maybe they don't. If we train them, teach them, love them, do things a little different, maybe they'll just have a natural salvation experience when they're young and live for the Lord for the rest of the life. That's, that's a great miracle right there. Our kids do not have to go down the same path that was bad that many of us did. If our attitudes change, it's a miracle. If there's a heart change, it's a miracle. Hebrews 2, this is a great scripture. This should be preached on one of these days. God bears witness with signs and wonders. I love that. God bears witness of himself with signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Thank the Lord we have the gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation here with tongues, interpretation, healing, and so forth, word of wisdom, prophetic word. But that's God bearing witness of himself. That's a supernatural thing that happens. That's why we could never take lightly the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's God's way of confirming that he's God. And that's an awesome thing. Awesome thing. So, Luke 18. The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Can someone take that to the bank? The things that are impossible with men are possible with God. Ephesians 3 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we think or imagine, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations from then to the next generation and the next the next until this generation and the next generation forever and ever. God is faithful. What do you have that God could use. And you might say, I don't have much. You might say, I don't have anything at all. And the Lord says back to you, no, 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 no. I breathed life into you at conception. I breathed new life into you when you got saved. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I've got great things designed for you to do. So maybe you have an experience you could share. Maybe you have a story to tell that somebody needs to hear. Maybe you could explain your situation, how you came to know Jesus. Maybe you've got a skill that would bless somebody. Maybe you've got a song to sing. I don't mean on the platform. I just mean your life is a song and you're a happy soul. Maybe someone needs to know, why are you so happy? Maybe you you had a miracle happen in your life and your miracle could encourage someone else to have faith for their miracle. Maybe you had a sorrow, a brokenness in your heart and spirit and God healed you or God is healing you and somebody needs to hear about that. But see, what do you have that God could use? I'll guarantee you, everyone in this room, everyone on live stream has something to give to God. So concluding this, If you want to make the most of what you have, embrace your Zarephath. I know it's uncomfortable. But you'll never develop until you go through it. I could write a book on that one with multiple chapters. (laughs) There's always another chapter of Zarephaths in our lives. But you got to go through your Zarephath. You have to go through it. It's your proving ground. Prove it to God. And also, prove it to yourself. That I'm a man of God. I'm a woman of God. I can do this with God's help.
It's your proving ground. Go to your Zarephath and get rid of any prejudices that you might have and, and realize that what you have to offer may be designed for somebody different than you are, whatever that is, age, health, whatever, culture, whatever, language even. Just get rid of any prejudices. There's no room for prejudice in the family of God. And expect and operate in the supernatural where there's salvations, miracles, healings, provision, supernatural things that happen, divine appointments that just happen. You, you bump into someone at, at Market Basket and you realize this is a divine appointment that God has designed for me to share my faith with somebody today. I want to close with this scripture in Hebrews 11, in verse number 6. It says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You know, you may think your, your prayer time in the morning is getting nowhere. Your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. No, 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 no. You may feel, I felt like that sometimes, but when I read the word of God, when I sense the spirit of God, no, the word of God says he rewards those that diligently seek him. When? I don't know when. How? I don't know how. I may not feel it at the time, but I know what the word of God says. I'm going to keep on going. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Can we stand together and say that a couple of times and get that into our heart today before we close out in prayer? Hebrews eleven six. Say it with me. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. One more time. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Amen and amen. Well, I want to I pray for everyone right now. Uh, every head bowed for just a moment. And um, you can raise your hand if you'd like, or just respond to me in some way so I know that I'm talking to you. But there may be some here today, I want to pray about all of these things, but there may be some here today that need help in discovering your gifting. So you're not really sure what they are. You can't see it yet. You can't, you can't put your finger on what it is that God, or what it is that you have that God wants to use. Anyone like that? Yeah? Okay. Some, some need help with our journey through our Zarephath. It's uncomfortable. By design, by the way, it's meant to be uncomfortable. And through that Zarephath, there's the purging and the cleansing and the growth that, uh, that we need to go through to be used. Anyone in, in their Zarephath needs prayer? Yeah? All right. So, okay, this is an important one. Help with dealing with people. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, it's true. Absolutely. Help with faith in believing God for the supernatural. Yes. I wonder if anyone here needs to reestablish your salvation with the Lord today. Or if there's anyone here that needs salvation, you've never received Christ in your life. And today is your day. You feel God is calling you to say, yes, I want to surrender my heart to you. Is there anyone like that, young or old? Raise your hand. I want Jesus today. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Okay, we're going to pray right now. Father God, Lord, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the service. Thank you for the praises and the prayers and everything that happened today. Thank you, Lord. But Lord, we want to pray for those that need help in discovering their giftings. Lord, I can certainly relate to that. Lord, we need your anointing. We need a, a Holy Ghost uh, touch upon our mind and spirit, upon our creativity uh, the, create, the creative aspect of our brain. We need, we need to know, what, what do we have? Lord, let it be spiritual. Let it be, let it be something that, that you, you confirm in our heart. That let us remember something. Let us, let us uh, realize, well, I can do this, or I, I've been through that, or I, I got something to say. 
Lord, release your Holy Spirit for that to happen. Lord, for those that are going through their Zarephath, and yes, it's like a famine. It's like a dry ground. It's, there's, no, there's no hope. There's no life. There's a, it's a dry time in their spiritual journey. But Lord, you have them there for a reason. Give them faith, O oh God. Give them faith. Give them courage. Give them hope that there's light at the end of the tunnel, that you're there to see them through. And when they come out of it, they're going to be better for it. Lord, for those that have difficulty dealing with people, whether it's family whether it's people on the job or at school or we're in the community, whatever, we just pray, Lord, that you would give us grace, give us insights to know, give us patience to, to deal with people that sometimes are difficult. Lord, change our heart in that process. Lord, for those that need faith in believing you for the supernatural. Lord, for some praying for years and years and years for someone to come to know you. Someone that they love to come to know you. What a great prayer. That's a good prayer. And yet it's taking a long time. Lord, give us faith to believe you for the supernatural. Lord, for those that need to reestablish our salvation today... Lord, we put you center squarely in the middle of our heart right now. We're sorry, Lord, if we push you to the side, but we put you back in the center of it right now to be our Lord, our Savior, and the master of our lives. And Lord, for anyone here that needs to receive you for the first time, young or old, a teenager, a child, or an older person, doesn't matter. We're all equally the same and we're all sinners and we're all redeemable so lord we join in with anyone like that we open up our heart we ask you lord god come into our lives today forgive us of our sins we believe in jesus christ who died on the cross who rose from the grave who ascended into glory and promised to return we believe in that jesus and we ask you, Lord Jesus, come into our hearts today. Come into my heart today. Establish your kingdom in my life, O oh God. Forgive me. Cleanse me of my sins. Empower me. Empower us by your Holy Spirit that we may be on our way in serving you for the rest of our lives. So, Lord, thank you. We give you praise and honor and glory. Lord, uh, we pray as we conclude this service. As we say the amen, as we begin a little fellowship, as we make our way out the doors and get into our vehicles and go home to our day, we pray, Lord, that this message would stay with us. That you would, you would not allow that phrase, make the most out of what you have. Let that phrase stay in our spirit until we realize we've got something to give you. Let us, let us live in that, Lord. Let us... We talked about walking with you. Let us walk in that understanding that you've given us something to do. Let us find it and do it for your glory and for our betterment. So, Lord, I pray your blessing on everyone, every uh, individual, every family represented, every child, every teenager, every adult, every senior. Bless us. Bless those at home. Let us have a good day, a great week before us. We give you all thanks and praise, Lord. In Jesus' mighty, powerful name, we pray all these things. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.